Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One morning, fellas. Um, hi, Kenny. What's going on? Well, you know, the yeah. usual. The usual. Just... Thought, th- I thought we had a sighting. Turns out it wasn't him. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, like, right. like, like him? Him? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. You've worked with a lot of hymns. It could be. Yeah. The one that finds himself occasionally walking to work on the freeway. I knew exactly okay. what you meant. That yeah. him. Okay. I knew exactly gotcha. what you meant, gotcha. Kenny Olson. Gotcha. That him. Send somebody to pick him up at the Arby's? <laughs> that would be me. Which is now gone, right? Yeah. So, oh, so now, sad. Is there like a Blaze Pizza over there? <laughs> That's right. That Arby's. There's like a condo there now, right? On that corner? The I, condo and the Blaze Pizza is in the bottom level. I yeah. love that I think place. You could, I love that Arby's. Anywhere in Minneapolis campus or Northeast, you could just, the sentence, oh, I think there's a condo there now applies. Yeah, it's true, especially the, on that campus. Let the record show that for the second day in the in a row, the show is completely derailed <laughs> from the get-go. Can we talk more about that Arby's? That got me through at least two years of college. I for love like five that meals a week. I love it was that Arby's. Yeah. I spent I about $20 just on myself before a Super Bowl one day, just loading up. <laughs> oh, my, I had the biggest bag one person has ever gotten for themselves. Yeah, I'll do four, five for 5 95s <laughs> Sorry, what? Are they open yet? I, I've got a craving, man. Uh, this was not sponsored content, by the way. This is just us being fat. Speaking of. He got him. 18 in a row retired by Lance Lynn. Chopped to short. Gregorius picks the hop and throws out Garcia. 19 in a row retired from Lynn, who has been superb <laughs> through seven. When it comes to the first inning, that's kind of my thing, too. Uh, I got to get settled in and get going. Um, I was able to do that, and then uh, we were able to uh, keep adding runs and playing good defense, and, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, happy to be here to yeah, contribute. Maybe, maybe the beard was the problem? Was it was the, I can was confirm, the beard the problem? I can confirm in that post-game press conference that he gave in front of his locker that I saw not one but two smiles. They they were brief. They were they were just one second apiece. But I saw Lance Lynn for the first time in the 2018 baseball season. I saw the man smile. He has the ability. He has the facial muscles that he can form a smile. I mean, so he he last night you heard it. He retired. Nine, was it 19 in a row at one point? Yes. Now it is the White Sox, but. Lance Lynn goes seven and a third, strikes out nine, and allows only three base runners in his first start for the Yankees. He actually was equally good in his first appearance with the Yankees last week. Four and a third, no runs in either of these outings. He struck out five in that four and a third appearance. So now with the Yankees so far, he has pitched 11 and two thirds innings, has not allowed a run, has struck out 14 and walked only one over that stretch. And that's what you thought you were going to sign back in March when the Twins landed Lance Lynn. And just for fun, let's rewind the clock to April. 
And let's look at Lance Lynn's first two regular season starts as a Minnesota Twin and juxtapose that with his first two with, with his first two games as a Yankee. He walked 10 in his first two starts. In his Actually, first two games. He walked 15 in his first three starts yes. with the Twins. Nine innings pitched. <laughs> Nine, And those were starts. So, so he has pitched more innings in a relief appearance and a start for the Yankees than he did his first two starts for the Twins. He gave up five runs, five earned runs. He gave up 10 walks. He struck out 12. Man. And walked away from those first two starts as a twin with a five ERA, thus setting the Amazing. tone setting the tone for the season that would be Lance Lynn as a Minnesota yeah. twin. Uh, can, can I say I still I don't regret the signing on behalf of the twins. I hope that him performing mostly terribly for them and then paying him like I guess it'll wind up being $9 million of the deal or whatever they paid him. I hope that doesn't make them gun-shy because they should still take shots. They Look at a guy who has a, a good track record, mostly in the National League. Not like number 5 starter track record National League like Jason Marquis, but has pitched in big postseason games with an ERA well under 4 for his career. It just didn't work. It looks like it might work for the Yankees now that they've bought <laughs> low like on him. Might work really well for the Yankees. Yeah, so, I don't know. My first thought was, well, that's kind of a buzzkill. If he would have done that a few more times, and if Brian Dozier had played well in the first half of the season, you wouldn't be sellers, and uh, and you'd be sitting here in a different position right now. But, whatever. Bravo, Lance Lynn. Now, he's going to find it clearly just in time for the Yankees to make a run and why uh, do some damage. Why couldn't he have been fat and happy here? That's my question. Well, he, had, he, he was half of that. He was fat and miserable here. Why couldn't he have been? It, it appears that, that he is now, he's still fat and that's fine. As you said, clean shaven and he appears to be very content. Why couldn't you have had the beard? You had the beard here, yeah. so you weren't told to shave here. You were fat here. We're all f- fine with that being on a show that is hefty itself. And you had the ability to be happy, and you weren't. Why yeah. couldn't you have been fat and if, happy in Minnesota, Lance? Not to play the revisionist history game, but if if he performs at the standard Lance Lynn level, okay? So I, th- I think his ERA with the Twins was about two full runs higher, or almost, than his career ERA, like a run and a half or two. So if, if he gives you standard Lance Lynn performance with the with the uh, with the Twins the first four months, and Brian Dozier gives you hot Brian Dozier in the first half, even with Buxton and Sano on the shelf and Jorge Polanco suspended and Irvin Santana uh, injured and out for the first four months of the year, you're in it. In this like, division, like, yeah, like you would have been. You're in yes. it. I know you got smoked ten nothing last night, but <laughs> you don't. You don't care now. Somebody was saying. I saw somebody tweet at me that uh, it'd be better if they tanked the rest of the game. It's not really how baseball works, though. Oh yeah, that, I, I got that tweet too. I mean, like drafting number one overall would be awesome, but uh, but yeah. like tanking to get the number three overall pick, <laughs> you might wind up with a superstar at nine or a bust at nine, just yeah. like you'd wind up with a superstar at three or a bust at three. Yes, this is it's, true. Uh, baseball's not like oh, you get the next LeBron it's James. It's like he, football. Yeah, let's draft a quarterback at number one, and you're gonna have to wait what. Uh, four or five years before that player comes up anyway. So, all right, well, bravo, Lance. Ding, ding. It has uh, an impact, obviously, because, you know, you always want to get your best guys out there, but things are going to happen throughout the course of the season, and uh, some of these guys that are out there right now are going to have to play. And so, um, you know, they're getting a lot of valuable experience, uh, a lot of time on task with uh, what they're doing. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, think some of the things you know in some areas the defense has been winning but the offense has won their share of, of things too and uh 
you know, the defense, you know, when they get out there and they get, you know, the day before the offense gets after them a little bit, and, you know, the next day usually the defense wins. So, um, you know, that's just uh, training camp football, really. All right, let's separate two important things here. Number one, every year it seems that that, that the Vikings hold this sort of practice slash scrimmage, pla- uh, you know, night pr- practice early in camp. And every year the headline is, the offense didn't look great. The defense won. All right? It's the most overrated thing in football. It happens constantly. This yeah. defense is really good. If you really expected that Cousins and the offense was going to get out there and hum along on Saturday night and beat this defense deep 18 times, you're crazy. Yeah. So so let's put that aside. So who cares there? Now I'm going to get to your problem, though. You're calling Richie Incognito? <laughs> You're making a phone call to a guy who who retired and certainly has had issues, and when he's playing good football is pretty good. You're calling him because at yesterday's practice you had had Rashad Hill uh, back from his illness at right tackle. Riley Reef, your starter at left tackle, played there, and your three interior linemen were all out. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's your problem. And and if you can get those, so if you can get your uh, guards back here. Elf line at center comes back fairly soon. You'll be absolutely fine. If you can't, though, if you can't, the interior line is going to become a major concern pretty quickly. Yes, sir. You called Richie Incognito. How many shows in a row has Judd sounded the? Well, you were gone last week. I can Tyler's safely say, come tell you that it was five. Five last week. I was going to assume shows that, yes. in a row of Judd. Uh, uh, Horrified over the offensive line a month before the season. I'm going to find who was playing the interior line yesterday, and I'm, I'm going to run the names by you and see how many of the interior linemen, the guards, and the center from yesterday's practice you have heard of before so, right now. I say this with all the love in my heart. You're not wrong. It's definitely a problem that they might have offensive line issues. Yes. But nobody loves to consume quality airtime with meat and potatoes concern like Judd Zolgad. Can I say that? That nobody in my life loves to machinate and panic and break down the potential well, disasters of the meat and potatoes offensive line like Judd Zolgat. And it's wonderful because the concerns have been there already for months before the draft. Yeah. So they have to get a guard. They have to get. Wait, they didn't get a guard? What, what, what? In the sixth round? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Exactly. No, no, no. In the first round yes. or, or in the second round when the possibility existed to trade up to take mm-hmm. a guard. Sure. No, see, this is the frustration here is when this show tells you exactly what you should do and you don't do it, and then you come back and have problems there, that's when this show gets very frustrated. Do you mean this show or Judd Zolgad? Just Judd Zolgad. Well, I consider I it to be it's all always of us. You. Okay, but I consider it to be our show. But here's the problem, okay? So nothing you said is wrong, but here's the problem. You have a 53-man NFL roster, and you only get seven rounds of draft picks, and you have a salary cap. It's really hard to build a perfect roster. Let's say instead of... So there's a reason why the Vikings have the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Because they have spent a ton of first and second round picks, even before Mike Zimmer got here, on defensive backs. Mm -hmm. Xavier Rhodes. So they wouldn't have the number one ranked defense. Thus, they wouldn't have been in the NFC Championship game last year without Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes... um, Keep going down the list, right? It's like they they have focused very clearly on we're going to put blue chip talent on defense, specifically linebackers, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and then back to the secondary. If they had done this, 
differently the last five or ten years. Let's say they went blue chip offensive linemen, which I wouldn't disagree with. Like I think yeah, I think you should build your offensive agree, line. But they should have done it at times for sure. But but then they wouldn't. Maybe they wouldn't have Harrison Smith. Right. Ma- maybe they wouldn't have Xavier Rhodes. And so they'd have an awesome they'd have an awesome offensive line, mm-hmm. and they and they'd be scoring points. And they did score points last year. But their defense would be leaky, and they give up a lot of passing yards. And we'd be doing this show today, wondering about. These crappy defensive backs who get torched in night practice on Saturday. I don't know if it's possible to build a perfect roster unless you get a little bit lucky with like sixth and seventh it, round picks in the NFL or just have Bill Belichick for 20 it years. It was this year, though, because we sat here and said, you need right guard help. You need guard help. So we sat here. So so this is not a five or six year thing. This is saying you have a Super Bowl type team. What do you need immediately? Where's the one place? Where's the one one place that you need to build depth and find as good a player as possible going into that draft? And it, it, it was guard, and they got they got too cute. Sure, but that's also saying that a right guard drafted, let's say, let's say in the second round, a right guard drafted in the second round would one hundred percent be. An upgrade no, over whatever they have on the roster chance. right now. It would give you a better chance, maybe. And but by not taking a guard, you 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 look at the football gods and you tempt fate. You tempt <laughs> I, fate. I, I agree you with You say that. you say, come on, football guards, we're going to get cute. What are you going to do to us, football gods? And football gods look at you and say, <laughs> I'm going to screw you. But you know what I'm like? Like I th- I think your general uh, demeanor and your general outlook on life too. Whatever the deficiency is. You were going to point out the deficiency no matter what. Not if they took a guard. No, <laughs> that's not true. No, no, no. So it's if they, they would have oh, okay, taken a guard, wait, wait, I would have been happy. If, if and I'm walking a line here because I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think that it's funny that 90 percent of this team is just as you'd like it, mm-hmm. and you f- you are fixated all summer on the 10 percent uh-huh. that you think is a huge fix. problem. You passed on the fix. But you, Dave, do you think it's true that if the Vikings had drafted a right guard in the second round, that Judd would be Happy and positive and optimistic the following four months. I, he might not be as negative, but no, you wouldn't be positive and optimistic, especially once <laughs> injuries have started to mount up. You would still be freaking out regardless of whether it was a new guy or an old guy getting yeah. hurt. By the I way, give him a ton of credit for how that. How about this? How about your $30 million quarterback? Yeah. How about your $30 million quarterback overcomes a mediocre offensive line like other quarterbacks in the NFL? And um, not to mention, he probably would have just deflected to the defensive backfield. Well, I mean, Mackenzie Alexander, really? You're going to rely on him? You could have drafted a guy like Mike Hughes in the first round, but instead no, you went for a guard. No, Are you no. kidding me? What did I, what, and not to mention, I mean, Marcus Sherrill, he's been great, but how long can he keep up the charade of being a no. wonderful punt returner? What did I say within the last month? I said I said it's become clear to me that you give Zim defensive backs and he molds them and he does a very good job. No, if they had taken a guard, if they had listened to what I told them, well, and I, I haven't even started on the kicker yet. Well, let's oh, let's talk, let's talk yeah. about the kicker. Can we get? Can we talk to? We'll talk Col- about him at some point here. Well, yeah, we'll get Collar in yeah. here. Yeah, I have to make a call to Judd about see what he's thinking this oh, morning. I'd love to hear from him. We got panic, Judd. And I was at the practice field yesterday. I saw kicking carnage. We got Panic Judd in the house. This is great. I'd love to hear from Judd Bot. Uh, Matthew Collar is going to join us to also uh, offense behind the defense, which is a constant, I think, in the NFL and not something to panic about. We can talk more about that, too. We have a pecking order at 10 o'clock. We have Jason Stark. Uh, we're going to replay that for the uh, the Twins fans who missed it yesterday. At eleven thirty today, and we are going to talk with. Actually, we might we might have Manny Lagos on the show. I'm texting back and forth with United people to explain the Christian Ramirez deal 
that was not popular among Loons fans last night. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios, where we are fixated on a 55-inch Roku TV here, built in 4,000 streaming channels and 450,000-plus movies and TV shows. I mean, this is where technology and entertainment are headed. There's so many more platforms and and content channels and platforms that you're fixated on now compared to 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And so you need a TV in your living space that consolidates all of them very easily with no extra cords. You've got a built-in Roku device that, like I said, gives you access to all kinds of sports platforms, too. We, we frequently will put on NHL platform, NBA platform in here. You've got Fox Sports Go, uh, ESPN streaming platforms. I love the WWE Network. So you can get any of those things. Page one, so to speak, cable and satellite channels. Page two, all your streaming channels. You can go into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities, and you can look at a TCL TV with your own two eyes and find out why it's better than all the... Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue on 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by MetaFast. All right, let's get let's get back in with your Magic Collar from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. And we are pleased to welcome Panic Judd to the studio this morning as well. I'm... But it sounds like Panic Collar is here too. I don't know, like it's a month before the season... I agree. It's not ideal to have three banged up offensive linemen and to not have a whole lot of depth. What is your level of panic right now? We know that Judd's is always at an eight, and it might just be like at a no, nine listen. today, but it's constantly no, at an eight you, when you wake up in the morning. I told you if they had addressed the issue uh, in the draft, I would feel much better, but they didn't listen. They got cute. I've seen them get cute before. I've seen the Vikings get cute before. This always concerns me. I think the only way to judge Vikings panic is to look at them. Like me, I just kind of take my cues from what they're doing. Like with Case Keenum last year, where Mike Zimmer kept going back to the interceptions in Washington. So then I kept coming back here and saying, you know, I don't think they really trust Case Keenum because I'm watching what Mike Zimmer is doing. And the other day, when Mike Zimmer pulls his own press conference, which he is not a fan of doing press conferences, to announce that they're not trading Anthony Barr because he heard a rumor that didn't exist, that made me think right there, like, okay, are they really nervous about something? See, I thought the brown what paper bag and bourbon while watching uh, offensive linemen warm up yesterday was a telltale sign that Zimmer is <laughs> a little bit nervous, too. Well, yeah, that I mean, that is probably the thing that would cause it, right? Is he's sitting out there watching three of his starting offensive linemen go down. And with Nick Easton, that's the one that I'm pretty concerned about because he has uh, neck and back issues. And had ankle surgery last year. Yeah, that's not good. So that's adding up pretty quickly. Pat Elfline still isn't out on the field. He was supposed to be there at the beginning of training camp. And then it comes out that he also had a shoulder surgery to go along with his ankle surgery. That's a problem. Mike Remmers, I don't think, is too serious. But Remmers was dinged up last year, too, and had to miss games, if you remember. And Easton was your starting left guard, but with Elfline out, had moved to center, correct? Yes. And so now yes. we're now we're basically on at this point in time on the third center on the depth chart. Right. We are on Cornelius okay. Edison who shouldn't make the team yeah. and he's the one who's playing with the first team. So I think that the two events are connected because Zimmer is kind of like this. He'll show his cards a little bit when they're getting anxious or nervous about something and then 
with this TMZ interview that was dug up with Richie Incognito where he says the Vikings called him. Well, let's make this happen. Let's get Richie that, in, let's throw Richie Incognito into this mix. But that screams they're panicking. If they got their first look at the full team offensive line, now I figured out that the interview would have happened before the Easton injury and before the Remmers injury. So they were still looking at what they had and going, oh, man, we better see if Richie Incognito wants to come out of... Well, he's not really retired. He calls himself a free agent and says he's still working out. How old is he now? He's 35. Okay. He was good That's last year. Old. If he came here and nothing weird happened with Richie Incognito... <laughs> Just a big qualifier. He, he would be... <laughs> I want this to happen so bad. Can you imagine the Vikings? Nothing weird happening? <laughs> right. Oh, right. This, this is going to go good. <laughs> so he would be a huge upgrade on either one of their guards. He's a better guard than Mike Remmers. Yeah. He's a better guard than uh, Nick Easton. And they would probably just kick Remmers out to right tackle, would be my guess. Because from what I've seen of Brian O'Neill, I don't think that he's ready to play in the NFL. So if they did do that, that would be the scenario. Now, Incognito says he's had enough of going to training camps in his career, so he's not going to sign in the middle of training camp. If he was going to do it, it would be at the end of camp, and then he would you know, just join the team for the practice leading up to the first game and then play and go from there. But I went back and listened to a recent interview of Incognito's on Barstool Sports, and, I mean, the guy is not really based in reality. He's a whack job. Like, he yeah, is. I mean, he sounds like he's not okay, really. I mean, he's telling some of the stories about the Jonathan Martin thing, and I, I would agree that some of it was misconstrued, that maybe Incognito, being as he is, and I've met him and I've interviewed him, that he could have been so aggressively ball-busting. Can we say that? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you're okay. So aggressively busting on his teammate who was already having issues that he it it went wrong, and then everyone just threw him under the bus because it had become such a big story, and then they had to wait a year basically until he could come back. And he was a fine teammate by all reports in Buffalo, and a very good player, and deserved to make the Pro Bowl three times. But then there's another incident that happened this off season, and then. When you listen to him talk, you're like, I wouldn't trust this guy at all. So it would have to be kind of a Hail Mary play to bring in a 35-year-old lineman who has been thrown off college teams. He's been voted the dirtiest player in the league. He was kicked out of the league for a year. And when you listen to him talk, it's like, just a bunch of bad luck. Could have happened to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so, so, so if you're doing that, though, that to me says that it ain't just Judd pushing the panic button. Sure. Okay. Well, yes. I think Judd, you, Judd, Judd's the panic boy who cried wolf, which is why I'm chiding him today. And I, and I don't disagree with anything Judd has said and I would and I would say this is where you start to focus on the quarterback too because most teams in a position to win the Super Bowl are in that position because they have an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger and if you lose some offensive linemen and have to patchwork it for a while the quarterback is good enough to overcome a bad offensive line the Vikings are paying Kirk Cousins like a quarterback who should be good enough to overcome a bad offensive line I'm guessing you're going to say he's not though I mean, if you give him anything less than great protection and a top 10 offensive line, he's probably not going to perform at the level that you need to accomplish your goals for 2018. So is that correct? Here is a statistic from Kirk Cousins last year when he had a makeshift offensive line, a bunch of guys got hurt. His He was sacked 41 times for a loss of 342 yards, which was the most in the NFL last year. 
So he doesn't really handle losing his offensive lineman very well. He even got sacked quite a bit for a guy that had a great offensive line the year before. Now compare this to Case Keenum. Case Keenum lost 136 yards. Yeah, He lost more than 200 more yards than Case Keenum did last year. And Keenum was dealing with a lot of these issues as they went down the stretch. Keenum was just better at dealing with it than Kirk Cousins. He can move and throw. Exactly. I mean, Cousins is going to want to stay in, in the pocket. And and if he has his line, he's probably fine, right? The issue is if that breaks down. Well, I mean, and just uh, t- tell Phil what you showed me from the Channel 5 tape from uh, Saturday night with the right uh, tackle there. Because this this is the type of thing that's going to become an issue at some point in time. Well, and the, yes, Brian O'Neill, uh, Brian Robinson just completely schooled him, put on a, a clinic for Brian O'Neill. Now, O'Neill is a rookie. And he was drafted in the second round with the thought that this was going to take a while. This guy can't effectively put down an anchor yet against a bull rush. If you bull rush Brian O'Neill, you're going to drive him right into Kirk Cousins. And B-Rob showed that he also doesn't have the greatest hands either. Because I don't think he's ever faced anyone like Brian Robinson. No, where... Robinson's been in the league for 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point, is that he needs to practice against these guys for mm-hmm. at least a year before he's ready to play. And the concern would be, if Rashad Hill struggles, then they might panic and put in O'Neal, and then he's going to give up sacks, and we're all going to go, oh, they they botched it with this guy, and, and who knows where his confidence goes. We saw that with T.J. Clemmings. Sure. I mean, yeah, you could, you could certainly get yourself into a tizzy here with this offensive line situation. The only good thing about it is that you have a month before you actually have to play. But this is showing us a window into how quickly the wheels could go off this thing you, if people start getting hurt. Sure. But, like, also worth noting, and, and, and I'm, it's not that I fully disagree with, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. But they return the best defense in the NFL, which we can talk about the the sustainability of that from year to year. I know you wrote about that on our website, 15harnesp.com. They don't have to be perfect offensively, like in most years of Vikings football where a team is trying to get to the Super Bowl. With the Brett Favre 2009 team, that defense wasn't going to carry you to a Super Bowl. That was a leaky pass defense, right? Your offense had to be perfect. If your quarterback turns the ball over twice in the NFC Championship game, it's not good enough. You're going to lose the game. 1998, your defense is leaky. If your quarterback is conservative or you don't cash in in the red zone, you 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 fumble, the game is over. This offense doesn't have to be perfect for this team to win the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much damage can they essentially take on? How much, how much, how much leakage can they take on and still be able to go as far as they want to go riding that defense? Here's my frustration. You signed a quarterback who you've seen play for a long time now. So his his assets and liabilities come as no surprise. You had the ability to, at least in the first round or by a, a trading up in the second round, strengthen a position to protect that quarterback who, who you know full well does not have the same attributes that Case had as far mm-hmm. as being able to scramble and throw. You ignored those things because you got cute. That's my frustration because mm-hmm. that's a first guess. I mean, if this is all a, a huge shock, then I'm like, okay, it's too bad, but it's surprising. None of what's going to transpire here is going to come as a surprise. That's my problem. So with that. that's right. That we'll continue to go back to draft night over and over and over again and say, Will Hernandez was right there for you. 
You could have just drafted him. Everyone would have been thrilled. You wouldn't have gotten an ounce of criticism in the entire NFL from a single fan, from a single analyst. Everyone would have said, yep, that is your guy. He shined at the combine. He's got great tape. He's a great athlete. Like You're good to go. And instead, you pick up your fourth corner. I mean, that, that is really puzzling for where they stand as, as a franchise. And to your question, Phil, how much damage could it do? I would say this. Week one, you have to face DeForest Buckner, who's one of the most underrated and best players in the league, in my mind, defensive tackle. Week two, got to face Mike Daniels, who is a monster. Week three should be a win. Week four, you have to face Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald, assuming that he comes back and everything's good. And then after that, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's one of the best defensive lines in the entire NFL. I mean, at the beginning of this season, you are facing defensive lines that are absolute monsters. And it's not like these offenses are terrible. Jimmy Garoppolo looked great last year. Aaron Rodgers is back. The Rams scored more points than anybody else in the league. The Eagles will get Carson Wentz back. You are going to have to match these teams point, points for points. And if, you're, if you have a quarterback who routinely loses a lot of yards getting sacked, and an offensive line that's trying to play Tom Compton or Danny Isadora as a starter, or Pat Elfline, who's not healthy, I mean, you could see this being majorly problematic. Even if they're in those games, the difference is probably going to be small with a lot of these teams who are really good. Yeah, if you're... if. You're going to have to be the best defense in the NFL again early if you if you want to get out of that stretch. If if your offensive line shows up banged up in the first few weeks, I think it's two and three almost regardless of those are the Buffalo game is like your only chance to come up for air, and that's not a pushover game either. So yeah, that that's what it says to me when I look at the schedule is you have to survive early. If you don't, if you go one and four or something, I mean, then this is just the wheels are completely off. You can survive two and three. Yeah. You can no, survive you can. two and you three. You can. And, and I think that that's probably realistic to think of, but I don't know where the offensive line is going to start in week one. And they had a great defense in 2016, and they end up eight and eight. And the difference is a handful of games where at the end you couldn't pull through, a handful of games where Sam Bradford could have been much better had he had an offensive line. Mm-hmm. But instead, it was just the small differences because the NFC is really stacked. And there's a lot of great quarterbacks you're going to be going up against. Collar hanging out with us. Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. More Vikings next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, we need your help choosing our finalists for the Sportscaster Idol Competition. Our judges have narrowed down the field of the top ten. Those auditions have all been posted on our website. After watching them, you vote for your favorite, and you can vote once daily. The contestant with the most votes will join the judges' three picks on stage at the State Fair for the Sportscaster Idol finale. Check out all the editions online, 1500ESPN.com, keyword idol. Thank you, Dave. we got Matthew Collar with us. We're watching ESPN News. Oh, this is an E60 special. They're showing the making of Hall of Fame busts. And uh, Randy Moss. The cornrows. Kind of a cool touch. I don't know that that's how they... Was he sitting there as they carved him, or was the guy using the photos of Randy Moss? Because he was watching the guy carve the bust out of clay or whatever I think he was using a photo. I, I saw a little bit of this, and... He had Randy select which photo he wanted to use okay. to then make okay. said bust. See, he should have gone with the afro, the the massive oh, like. Or is that Green Bay? 
Was it Green Bay or Washington? I thought they all. I thought they all had them at Green Bay for a game. See, he did more than once. Yeah, America's was, finest receivers on Sundays. Yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Very good, David. Is that what they called it? Yeah, that's what Afros get it. Oh, America's yeah. finest receivers. No, on I Sundays. completely okay. forgot that. <laughs> Did other receivers in the NFL do the same thing? Or was it just a Viking thing? It was thing? just a Viking thing, as far as I know. I don't remember that yeah. acronym. That's pretty genius. Were, were you guys sort of <laughs> underwhelmed by the Moss speech? I don't know if underwhelmed. I thought he'd go I thought he'd go longer and I thought he might tell more stories. You know, it was it was mostly just him enthusiastically thanking people and thanking fans and he was fired up. I was expecting maybe a little bit more of a of like an emotional storyline or something, and oh, I'm not upset by it. So what I was thinking about is like, will he unbury some bodies here, or will he reveal some things we never knew about him because he is such a complex character yeah. that you think you know him way better now than you did when he retired, but you feel like you're still nowhere close to fully knowing Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. And I yep. thought we're going to get a step closer to that. So I was out at the night practice. And then as soon as I got home, sort of excitedly ran to YouTube to try and find it. And it it was just him thanking his mom, thanking his hometown, thanking the coaches that he had played for and, and just seemingly off the cuff picking out whatever out of the sky that he wanted to talk about, which is fine. You can do it whatever way you want. You're in the Hall of Fame. It just left me wanting to know more still about Randy Moss. And in a way, that was typical of Randy Moss to go the exact opposite way that I I thought he was going to. What Mm -hmm. makes Randy, Randy is this. He will never give you what you expect. Mm -hmm. In fact, he will be defiant not to give you what you expect on purpose. But I thought the speech was fine. Um... I th- I thought yeah I thought he might give you a little bit more and I thought he might break down a few times but I watched that speech and I thought no this is him this is him and and it's almost like anything that gets too personal he's going to k- keep you away a little bit cuz he he let you in a bit but not in a huge way and I think his nature though is is he's only going to let you have so much and there's never going to be, he's never going to peel the whole thing back. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, and so it didn't surprise me. Did you see the Ray Lewis story in Monday Morning Quarterback? I did, Robert yeah. Klemko? Yeah, I did. I, and I don't know, I was I was on the fence for a number of years about Ray Lewis, and I, he's always come off as overcompensating for something, I don't know, maybe a, an involvement in a double murder back <laughs> in the early 2000s. But that story about a guy going into a locker room to do his job Essentially, just to get a just to get a comment about a story being written about the Atlanta murder victims' families, and the way Ray Lewis walked up to him later on that week, hand on his shoulder, and said, "You were number one in my prayers last night. You don't have to apologize to me." As if like the guy asking questions about something very important that happened 13 years ago that we really haven't gotten many answers about because Ray Lewis is so sheltered and and. And, and PR teams have have just ushered reporters away from him for a decade and a half. I'm out on Ray Lewis. He, I think he's a fraud. I think, I think he's like well, he gets up there for 25 minutes and it's just psychobabble to me now. Like yeah, no one knows yeah. what he's like. What are you saying? Okay, you're firing people up and you're motivating people, but like your sentences are incoherent and you've been covering something up for 15 years with religion and with football. Right. And, so the the problem with someone like Ray Lewis is that he does not live in the same reality as we do and I don't think he ever did. I mean, when you're talking about a guy who came from um, Miami 
hurricanes. I mean, you go back and watch the documentary about what it was like to be a member of the Miami Hurricanes. Those guys were NFL-type celebrities already by the time they were in college, and he was their best player, and he is kind of this untouchable all the way through his career. He's great from the very start. He is incredibly great all-time player. He wins Super Bowls. It's just like a different reality than what we go through on a daily basis. And I think that's hard to understand how different someone like Ray Lewis would see the world. And especially when you talk about being accountable for anything you do, that when you are painted by everyone around you all the time as infallible, I think a lot of players, there's some who stay grounded and are fine, but there are a lot of players who totally believe that that is the truth, that they were sent here by God himself to step on this earth and be you know, the, this otherworldly being, yeah. because that's how we paint them. And then the the media does this, too, where we build up a, a cocoon around the guy by telling the same sort of narrative is like, oh, he's just this unbelievable leader and he's this great person and all this and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And so everyone is enabling him to be that way. And that's a little bit of the unfortunate nature of getting such a view of players all the time that there's media all the time you know so we've known Ray Lewis was like this for forever mm-hmm. really since that happened but even in his post career when he was on ESPN and all that you knew that he was a fraud that he, he's not he's not like some some super genius great human being or anything like that the intriguing thing with him though is he continues to live his life as a player like everything oh, he does sure, is yeah, like he's still yeah. playing. No, that's it's right. It's like right, right. That's right. You're not in the lo- locker room giving an important speech before right. a Ravens game, and everything he does, ESPN, the Hall of Fame speech, none of it rings true as a human being. It rings true as you think you're still playing the game, right? So a lot, Very of, odd. a lot of players, you'll run into them after their career, and you're like, who is this guy? Because his attitude is just so much different. And, you know, a lot of times as a reporter, they'll be like, hey, buddy, great to see you. And you're like, uh, yeah, just like it was great when you blew me off for a ton of interviews and <laughs> called me names. You know, just <laughs> Does like, this yeah. happen frequently but, to you, Matthew? But, well, it's happened. So for, for, but for, you know, guys like us, we're like, oh, hey, nice to see you. Because we understand that when you're out of that cocoon, you start re- living real life that a lot of guys make that adjustment. And when I look at Ray Lewis, I look at someone who has not adjusted into post-career life. So I don't know about as, as far as being in or out on Ray Lewis. I think this is just kind of who he is. And he is probably one of the players who will struggle the most with not being in the NFL and not being in the limelight. And he was terrible on TV, so he's not going to get another TV deal. Like, what is in for Ray Lewis over the next 10 to 15 years? When I watch that, that's what I think about. And he definitely covered up a murder. I was that too. I was very excited when he was, (laughs) yeah, when he was announced three years ago to be part of the ESPN crew because I thought, okay, this is. We know that he's exciting, and we know that he's a dynamic personality, and now we're going to get some football substance and evaluation, and there was none. Yeah. You never you never threw it to Ray Lewis, and it was like, all right, I'm going to tell you what's happening here. Right, it was just right. like he just preached, and it was this motivational stuff that didn't come off well. It's like, this this would be great in another context, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. So, but a lot of it, not. you know, the, I mean, a lot of it, I think the players just sort of were like, yeah, because he was so good. I mean, last year you saw Jameis Winston try to eat a W. You remember that? Oh. And he wasn't playing well at the time, and all of his teammates were just like, What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> and, I, and, and, my guess, and my guess would be that a lot of players were like, All right, 
Ron TV. Ray Lewis is the Hall of Famer, so he's just like barking nonsense. You're like, yeah, football. All yeah. right, this is fine. And then they walk <laughs> and away. And barking at times, too. Yeah. Just and, literally barking. And then they walk away and go, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about either, but I really Whatever, have to focus yeah. on the technique of the opposing wide receiver, so I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find Collar's written work at 1500ESPN.com on the Vikings and go check out the best Vikings podcast in the Twin Cities. The Purple Podcast. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow, Matt. Goodbye. Bye, Football. Collar. See ya. All right, we have Football. a packing order when we come back. And then later on, Manny Lagos will join us. I'm doing some booking here, texting back and forth. It sounds like uh, 1230 to explain the Christian Ramirez trade from yesterday that doesn't seem very popular among Minnesota United <laughs> fans. So we'll do that at 1230 as well. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Thanks for Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You go low, I'll go high. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We got Matthew Collar in here from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Judd was at practice yesterday. This was Mike Prefer on the kicking battle thus far in training camp. They, they both done a nice job in field goals. They both missed, I think, they're both 12 of 14 uh, kickoffs, as you would expect. Daniel's a little bit stronger. Kai would have to use his finesse in, in figuring out where to put place the ball, et cetera, as, you know, use his, his veteran savvy. Um, you know, it's very close right now. They're both working really hard. They're... They help each other. They're both pros, and I mean, Kai's been done this before. Daniel's done a nice job of filling, uh, fitting in with the the group, and saying, you know, just because I was drafted doesn't mean I have a spot on this team. He's going out and working every day, so it's been it's been a really good summer there that in that regard so far, and hope that continues. Okay. All right. So I I was out there yesterday with Collar. Oh boy. Standing there watching practice, and they came to a situational field goal kicking drill in which young Daniel Carlson, a fifth-round pick, who the Vikings traded up to take, um, I believe hit two field goal attempts that went, unfortunately, wide to the right for him. So the young man then went to a practice How field. How far out? About 40, you think? 45, you think, Collar? Yeah, probably. It was hard to see because I was on the other side of the field, so I was mm. trying to do the math of like, okay, there's the 20, that's the 30. It sure but didn't look like was, 60, though. It, oh, it wasn't 60. So, no, it was somewhere between 40 and 50. It was a reasonable ask, and he missed them both. So so the the young man went to work on a side field. Can you imagine being inside Judd's head watching a kicker practice? By himself. Miss- and I wandered over. I wandered over to said. I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever want to be inside Judd's head for more than be, about three and a half minutes. It's just a burning building. It's just like all he sees actual flames. I'm the sports detective. Eyes. Damn it! I'm a homicide detective covering sports. Okay, because oh, I'm hilarious. always looking for what's going wrong and who's guilty. So, uh, uh, no, by the way, nothing positive has happened at all at Vikings practice in the last three weeks. It's just been straight. I expect down of a building. Thirteen and three team. So. <laughs> I wandered to the side field to watch this young man attempt uh, field goals, and and so he's got the he's got the T holder type thing that that they have now. It's like what mm-hmm. four four extensions or three extensions, and it holds the ball for you. So you're not kicking with a snap or a person holding for you. You're just trying field goals, and he probably tries several several more from distances around the same that he missed from forty or so. How close were you standing to? Were you the only one over there? Was it just like you and were you in his eye contact range? No, no, no. I was sort of behind. Like with a I was like at the fifty, just eyeballing it. Did you ask to hold? 
No, 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 no. You got to do this by yourself, baby. So uh, you probably missed about four more. And I kept thinking to myself, this poor kid, this pressure. And then I kept thinking, but you know who I feel good for? You know what the positive is? Kai Forbath. Because I think Kai Forbath. And uh, at the post-practice media scrum that, that Zimmer held, somebody did ask, would you consider keeping two kickers? And the only thing I can tell you is you can't keep it. Was met, no. It was met with the heartiest of guffaws. Like, <laughs> I guess anything's possible. No, that's absurd. So that's not going to happen. Well, if, if there's a question of do, would they have the gumption to cut a fifth-round pick, they've cut a, they cut a fourth-round offensive lineman a couple years ago, and they cut a fifth-round linebacker. I remember Nate Triplett was a fifth-rounder from the Gophers. Like, this is like eight years ago now. Yep. So they have definitely cut fourth and fifth-rounders. Who is the fourth-round uh Offensive lineman. Willie Beavers. Willie Beavers. Yeah. And they put him on the practice squad. And he was the but highest. They will absolutely cut you fifth rounder later. And he, he was the highest player from that draft cut. Now, this one, this one I feel like there's a little bit more of an egotistical investment in because you traded up to take him. And he got criticized for it a lot. But you can't send Zimmer into a season with, with a guy he might not trust. You can't do that to him. Z- Zimmer will make that call, I'm thinking. Is, is that if he does not trust Daniel Carlson, then Kai Forbath will be the kicker. And I understand that Kai Forbath has struggled with extra points, but when you hit 90% of your field goals over two years and can clearly kick indoors from 50-plus in big games and hit one against New Orleans to put yourself ahead late in the game, I mean, I'm not sure what more you could really ask from Kai Forbath. Carlson has an unbelievable leg. In the Saturday night practice, he kicked one from 58 that I am not kidding would have been good from 65. Now, this isn't with the the rush that you know you would normally have or anything like that. So it's not giant men jumping up in the air or whatever. It's a pretty sterile situation. But that just tells you what his leg is. When he's kicking from 58, it goes through the top of the uprights and not the bottom. So this kid's uh, this kid's leg is is unbelievable. But that doesn't really matter because no. most of the field goals that you kick are somewhere between 40 and 50. Dude, this is that's uh, what you have to make. This is a pet peeve. Quarterbacks with big arms, yeah, kickers yep. with big legs, yep. a pitcher who can throw a hundred miles an hour. Like, okay, yep. do you have off-speed stuff? Can you command a breaking pitch? If you're a, if you're a quarterback, most of the throws that you're going to need to make are between ten and fifteen, maybe twenty yards in the air, not fifty. Right. I don't care if you can drop back and throw a ball seventy-five miles over those mountains. Can you complete a pass on a crossing route with a defender blitzing you? Like, right. that's what matters. Peyton I don't Manning care if you can kick throwing, it seventy yards. Peyton Manning's throwing the ball like four. 14 miles an hour by the end. Yeah, and and it didn't won the, and won the Super Bowl and even the year before that when he was throwing dead ducks that he was still mm-hmm. completing them accurately. Philip Rivers doesn't throw the ball very hard either and neither does does Drew Brees. I think the same thing with kickers, you have to have the range, but it doesn't really matter how much it goes over the post by from 55 yards. I think 55 yards if you could do that on a fairly consistent basis, then you are in really good shape and yeah. it's much more about those 40 to 50s and then he does have to hit the extra points, but you're not in my mind you're not as concerned about that. Like, yeah, that could blow you a game somewhere along the way, but he Kicked 38 field goals last year and made 32. That's a lot of points that he was racking up by being a very accurate kicker. So Carlson is going to have to go over that bar 
where you know that car, uh, that Forbath can make pretty much anything in the middle range, and it's just a little bit of who could kick it deeper. So Carlson's going to have to be great from that middle range in these preseason games. What's unfortunate is there's four preseason games for these two guys to go back and forth. You could end up with like three field goals each right. from each guy. Right. And and I, I don't know if they're going to try to intentionally find ways to line up field goals on third down or something. <laughs> I mean... I, it wouldn't be a bad idea, actually, with this. This is another one I I just I can't get my head around drafting a kicker in the fifth round because then you do feel like you're cutting someone who you spent a, an asset on with a fifth round pick. But I do think that if Forbath outperforms him, it will definitely be his job because he's the one that Zimmer's going to feel more safe about. The Carlson stat that uh, drove me absolutely nuts post draft was, and I saw this in about four places. His PATs in college, he, he was perfect. Well, in college, right. they haven't moved the PAT back. Right, so yeah. if Kai, if you took Kai and said, "Okay, Kai, it's back to being where it, it used to be," guess what? Yeah, He's perfect. Yeah. So I think here, here's another. Uh, this is going to sound old and crusty, but a stat you can't measure on the field, but it matters for kickers. What's your heart rate when it's January 10th? Yeah. And you're on the road in a playoff game. Not that Kai Forbath. Kai Forbath only has four attempted field goals in the postseason in his career, and all four came at home against the Saints in that in that win, uh, the the Minneapolis Miracle game. He has played in two other playoff games. One with Washington against Seattle, but he only kicked two extra points, and that was before they moved the extra point back. And then he only had the one extra point kick at Philadelphia, which he made, but. He's been in situations late in seasons, in the playoffs. He's 30 years old. And on a team that's looking to win the Super Bowl, and I'm looking at little edges here and there, is my rookie kicker going to have a, a heart rate? Is his, is his neck going to be pulsating when he walks up and has to stare at a 45-yard field goal on the road against the Eagles or something? Because it's not that Kai Forbath is 100% to be calm and make the kick, but... I know at least I know what I'm getting in a veteran kicker in that situation, and I, I think going into the season with a rookie kicker, if you're on the fence at all about him, seems like a huge mistake. My neck so. is pulsating every time I come in here just to talk about football. <laughs> I'm, I'm just but that's because you're I'm just kicking. so excited. Uh, well, I do get anxious. excited. I am excited about the kicking competition because it just adds an, come on an extra layer. Football. Right? Are you <laughs> telling me I went to a side field yesterday to watch? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, they're right. Well. They were having team drills. There, there's all these other things that are, that are going on, and then riding over it is this franchise has had some pretty uh, poor moments with their kickers in big situations, and here's two guys shanking them all over the place. <laughs> and, you know, maybe Forbath, it doesn't seem to be in his head. That's the one thing about Forbath. He looks about the same as he looked last year. That they brought in this guy Marshall Kane, who was a pretty good kicker, and Kane missed an extra point in preseason, and that was the reason he was out. And that shows you how razor thin the decision is going to be for which guy gets this job. But Forbath has been the, through this his whole career, where he's always battling somebody else in camp. He has never been an uncontested kicker, and he's made it this far. So I think that there is a, a good chance that he does end up winning. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Let's come back, talk more Vikings, and uh, Matthew Collar. You can find his his stuff on a daily basis at 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast. Pecking order in about 15 minutes. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley-doakley. On 1500ESPN.